Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, would you please open it to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. If you need a Bible, we move them, uh, and they're in, a, in the middle row now on, sitting on tables. So you can get up and get one if you need it. Uh, you can keep it as a gift uh, to use in your life. You need a Bible, and we'd love to be the ones to give it to you. Uh, but it is Christmas, and you know, a, lot of, a lot of times I'll be asked, Ed, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, what are you going to teach on Christmas? And I'm, I say pretty much the same thing I do every year, uh, something about the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, that is Christmas. And this is a great section of scripture as we're reminded of what we might call the Christmas story or what is familiar to us in the Christmas story. But as we scan the world today, I think we will all agree that the world needs a savior. So that's actually the way I said that and prepped you all for it. It was supposed to get an amen out of you. So I'm going to start over. I'm going to start over. It's kind of a church thing, but let me start over. The world, as you look out today, though it's, it's very easy to see that the world needs a savior. Amen. That's true. I agree with you. Amen. So good. I mean, you look at what's happening and the world may not, you know, and when I think of, when I speak of the world, I'm talking about culture. I'm talking about people. I'm, I'm talking about your neighbor, uh, the, the way of the world, the way the world thinks. Uh, it's not just the globe, but it's the people and it's the system. The world needs a savior, it's one who rescues, one who redeems, one who protects, one who provides. God wants to rescue the world and redeem it. You know, that word means to buy back. He wants to rescue the world, and in particular, he wants to rescue us from a meaningless existence and replace it with one with purpose. He wants to remove mediocrity and misery. So much of the world is filled with misery and hopelessness. And so what does he do? He gives us a gift. And yet it was no ordinary gift. The gift was his son, Jesus Christ. He would actually put it this way, and these are the words of Jesus himself. Jesus would tell a man, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Like the gift is from God himself to you and to me. And that gift comes through the birth of Christ, the eternal Son of God. And in Luke chapter 2, we have that familiar section that I like reading every Christmas. It's encouraging to us as we're reminded. He says in verse 1, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of uh, up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And I believe in the day in which we live right now, we need to pause here for a second and acknowledge what the Bible teaches and shows us. And that is that even though a government can make decisions that will completely disrupt lives, God uses those decisions to accomplish his will. And you can trust him with all the things that are happening around you. 
You don't need to freak out about them. You don't need to be worried about them. God is on the throne. And even here, to fulfill his prophecy, he allows a king to make a decision that disrupted everybody, including this young couple. Notice in verse 6 it says, So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The world needs a Savior. God sends a Savior, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen. And it was told them. Jesus came into the world in very simple form and fashion. God's gift to save us from an aimless existence with no direction. And it's very quick, just a few verses in the Bible describing this momentous occasion. Now you fast forward 30 years and you do that by just turning a couple pages in your Bible to chapter 4. That little baby grew up. He grew up to fulfill the purpose for which he came. And you ask, well, what did he come for? I've heard a lot about Jesus, and I've heard a lot about going to church. Why did he come? It's a great question to ask, and let me answer it for you here from the Bible in chapter 4, verse 16. Describing Jesus, it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and in verse 18 it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to re the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord." Jesus gives us, by quoting from the Old Testament, the purpose for which he came. And in the purpose for which he came, you find so many wonderful gifts that come with a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Christmas is a time we talk a lot about giving and receiving gifts. And I want you to think that through when it comes to the Savior of the world, because it's very simple when it comes to gifts. You receive it, and you enjoy it. Somebody gives you a gift, you receive it, 
and you, you enjoy it. And even if it happens to be one of those gifts that you look at and go, well, I don't know how much joy I can get out of this particular gift, the joy then becomes greater for the person that cares about you and took time to get you something because they care. God cared so much about you that he sent God, his only begotten son into this world, God in human flesh, to bring you abundant and amazing gifts. And let me break them down for you real quick here in our time together. Gift number one is that Jesus came, notice, he anointed, he was anointed in verse 18 to preach the gospel. Jesus came, number one, with good news. In Jesus Christ, you have the gift of good news. Jesus has come with a message of hope, and everything we find in Jesus is good. Far from being the burden giver or the, someone who lays down the law or the rule, Jesus came with good news that he himself would take our burdens. And by faith in him, there's relief and rest and refuge that's not available anywhere else. Jesus comes not with bad news, but good news. You remember one of the familiar sayings of Jesus that even if you don't read your Bible, you're familiar with this phrase, I'm sure. At one point, Jesus looks out and he says, you come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he goes on to explain, it's not just kind of a rest where you take a nap and you rest your body, but he says, I'll give you rest for your soul. The things you deal with deep down, the things that plague your mind, the consequences of bad decisions that you've made in your lifetime. God is ready to give you rest. Jesus came with the gift of good news. Secondly, he also comes with the gift of healing hearts. Notice he says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I'm gonna tell you something. It doesn't take long to live in this world before your heart is utterly broken and crushed. This world has a way of just pressing the thumb down on every good thing and every good person around. And it doesn't take long for you to experience brokenness after brokenness after brokenness. He uses the phrase brokenhearted on purpose. They get saddled down with heaviness and traumas and things that should never happen at all sorts of different ages. And yet Jesus, he comes to heal. As we learn, he comes to comfort. He comes to help you. There's a Bible word we like to, we're reminded of as a church often. It's, the, it's a Greek word, and it's, it's neat to say the word because it helps you to remember it. It's a Greek word because the New Testament was written in Greek. It's the Greek word hupomone. It's such a neat word. It means to bear up under the weight. And, and it's a gift of God as well. God gives you and I the ability to bear up under the weight of life's burdens. And associated that in the English, that Greek word is usually translated endurance or perseverance. It's the exact opposite of giving up and quitting. And I wonder today how many people are listening to me that are ready to give up and quit. You know, because the life is hard and difficult, and then it kind of hits a, 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 at the end, it kind of narrows down into the holidays, and then the holidays aren't easy, and it's just this burden and brokenness. And Jesus has come to give you healing. The Bible says in Psalm 147 that God heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Not only that, notice he, the, another gift that he gives us. It says that Jesus came to preach deliverance. And, and the emphasis is to the captives. Deliverance to the captives. The gift that comes with this is freedom 
from sin. Only the Christian in relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ experiences real freedom. Unfortunately, Christianity has been portrayed in a wholly different way where it's just rules, regulations, and bondages, and do this and don't do that. Listen, that comes natural in every part of life. There's always do this and don't do that. That's normal. That, that is a normal part of life. There are things you do and things you don't do. And so, of course, that would translate into Christianity. But listen, only the believer, only the one that has their sins forgiven experiences real, true freedom. Listen, to not sin. And that's a big freedom. That's a big freedom to be able to say no to the temptations of life. The temptations that surely, if you choose that path, will lead you to great harm and damage. Not only you, but to the people that you love and the people that love you. Jesus brings freedom, liberty. Because this world has a way of captivating us, catching our attention and then holding on for dear life. This world has a way of, of serving up things. You know, this, the world, what I mean by the world is the system, the, 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 the reality of the way of the world, how the world operates apart from Christ. Like this world has a way of like offering you everything and delivering to you nothing. It says, here, try this. And here, do this. And be your own person. Live your best life now. You only live once. And on and on the phrases go. And then you latch onto that and you find out, apart from Christ, it's just a self-destructive way of living. It never ends well. I mean, some of you right now, you don't even, you, you know, you, you don't even trust me on this. So I, so I would ask you this. You, you've taken that path. You've done your own thing. You're kind of open. You're not interested in religion. Let me ask you, how's it working out for you? Well, you know, Ed, I've got all kinds of money. Great. And I've got all, everything I've ever wanted. Great. Except that you still have this emptiness in your life, don't you? You don't talk about it much. You probably don't even think about it much because you stuff it down with all the things that now you have to work harder. You have to be so involved. You have worry. You have so much more worry, so much more anxiety. And then there's things that are outside of your control. And then all that money you save just evaporates with something called inflation. It's the world in which we live. Money's not going to make you happy at least not permanently, maybe temporarily. But then you buy whatever you wanted and it wears down and gets ripped off. And in this world, there's no freedom in this world. It's bondage. Jesus, he says, no, I'm going to give you freedom. It's a gift. Just take it. Receive it. Not only that, notice it says in verse 18 as well, it says, he also comes to give recovery of sight to the blind. You know, Jesus does literally heal the blind. He did in his own life. And God continues to heal today physically by his will and his ways. But you know, more often what we see is not the, the healing of physical blindness, but you know what often we see? We see the healing of spiritual blindness. The inability to see God and his life and movement on the earth today. Jesus said, I'll open your eyes. I'll open your eyes and you'll see things you've never seen before. You'll see the, the vast vistas of my love and my grace if you will just receive the gift. I'm ready to open your eyes to a new way of life, to the beauty of God's presence. Again, he repeats, not only does he open eyes, but he also says to set at liberty 
those who are oppressed. So you have those that are captive, so they're just kind of caught up in behavior. They feel like, it sounds like this, I'll just never, I'm addicted, I'll never get over it, I've tried everything, and this is just the way it is. Well, Jesus says, look, you, you guys, there's freedom for you, there's freedom for you. But then there's another category of people that just kind of live oppressed all the time, beaten down, burden, you know, heavy laden burdens, and just things are just constantly coming against you. Jesus says, I'm going to set you free as well. The word oppressed could also be uh, the, uh, translated downtrodden. Downtrodden. You know, it's, it's important for us to remember that not everybody uh, is born with the kind of privileges that you have. Everyone's born at different ways and different places, di- different statuses in life. I mean, even in this room, what's represented in this room today and people, it's all kinds of genres of life. All kinds of different places and, and different countries and different languages and socioeconomic. Like, there are all kinds of layers of life that we have been born into. We don't really control that. It's just where our family is just us. It's what the family we're a part of or uh, the foster care system. We, everybody's at a different place. But at the cross, everyone's equal. At the cross, the world might measure it one way, but at the cross, we're all equal. And yet, he says that there's liberty to those that are oppressed. There's liberty to those that are downtrodden. That our measure in life is not what we have or what we don't have. Our measure in life is whether we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. God wants to give you deliverance. He wants to help you in your status and station of life, of who you are. You're not less because of where you might have been born, and you're not more. You're not less because of what's in your bank account, and you're not more. You are who you are. I am who I am by the grace of God. I mean, Christmas, I love Christmas because it just brings us, it brings us to, it brings the world at least to start talking about Jesus. Not always positive, but talking about Jesus. I love gathering together. I love adding service. I love all the people coming to church. I love being able to tell you about the goodness of God. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, you think about it. Even your coworkers are thinking about Christmas because they're looking forward to their vacation. And maybe you are too. Say, yeah, this is a great, great time of the year. I love Christmas. I'm going to get some extra time off. Well, Jesus hooked you up for that. It's his birthday. Well, you know what? I was reading up on the, on the internet, and then, you know, Jesus' birthday couldn't have been the 25th. We don't know what day he was born. So let's just pick a day and be happy about it. Jesus Christ was born, and he grew up, and he came with gifts of himself. I mean, we could go on and on. The gift of hope, the gift of faith, the gift of love. I mean, real, true selfless, self-sacrificial love, where you can learn that in your own life. But of course, the greatest gift is salvation. And that's what God has for you. It's all-encompassing. Learning to turn away, turn away from your sin. You know, we mentioned sin a couple of times. It's a Bible word. We have a lot of Bible words, but they're not as complicated as you might think. You know, sin is a real thing. Sin, decisions, actions, thoughts, beliefs that are contrary to God, and he, you know, because God is your creator, right? You know that. We might have been taught differently, but God's your creator, just straight up. That's, I don't really know the way to put it. You and I are accountable to God. He's our creator. But he also can be your father by relationship. And you know, as our creator, he knows what's best for us. As our creator, he knows what's good for us. As our creator, he knows what's bad for us. And the Bible says that we've all sinned. So that's something that we're equal on as well. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. 
And the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That's what the Bible says. It actually calls it a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is knocking at the door of your heart right now, asking for a response. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. God is offering himself to you today. The gift that he purchased at great cost. That sweet little baby grew up to be a man and ended his life tragically on a Roman cross. He was buried and three days later he rose again from the dead. I know many today would love to leave him in the manger or ignore him completely, but that's impossible. Jesus came to die so that we might live. He came to die so that we might be forgiven. And through a real relationship with him, he has so many other things that he desires to do in your life. And if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, if you haven't repented of your sin yet, do that now. Strike while the iron is hot. Here you are. Look how far you've come. You're sitting in a church, listening to a guy talk, wondering when he's going to end. Look how far you've come. You've honored the request of mom or dad. You, you have said, okay, I'll go to church with you. And here you are. And yet, as the music started, as the people were singing, you could feel the emotion. Like, like the people around you singing, they actually mean it. I know so many here today, I could speak on their behalf. They mean it. They love the God of which I speak. They have a real relationship with the Savior that I present to you today. What you felt was real. But then there was that second feeling, wasn't there? There was a feeling of, man, something's happening in this room. It's different than I've experienced. And then there's that second feeling. It was like, but I don't feel that. And you don't. Because it's a feeling, it's an experience that's reserved for the family. But the good news is, is that Anyone can get in the family. <laughs> it's not exclusive. It's not you're not good enough or you'll never measure up. No, what's required is simply this. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. That's a work that God alone does. And you know those things in your life that you're concerned about, those behaviors that you're into and all the things that you're really wondering about and, and thinking through, things will be revealed over time. You'll learn what's good for you and what's bad for you. You'll learn what's helpful, what's not helpful. You'll learn what's harmful. You, you'll learn it. Because then the Bible says when you are born again, God lives inside of you. And he'll lead you and guide you in the rest of the days of your life until you meet him face to face. Look, the reason you were invited to church today wasn't really to listen to me at all. It was for you to be in a position where you could hear the good news of the gospel and you could receive the Lord Jesus Christ, that God alone would supersede and use my words, using his Bible to get to the heart of the matter, directly bypassing your mind and getting right to your heart. And so I invite you, if you're here today, as the worship team's coming back up, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, today's the day. And I'm not going to ask today, I didn't really feel, uh, you know, I need to have you stand, uh, raise your hand, walk up, 
to the stage here, I just want you where you are to acknowledge God. I want you to be in that position where you have got this far and now go all the way. The Bible says when you confess with your mouth, so confessing with your mouth means talking. It means communicating. When you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, when you confess that to God, when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, you're at the very same time saying, I repent. Again, don't be scared by Bible words because every time you do a U-turn in your car, you're repenting. That's all the word means, to turn around and go in the opposite direction. And what God is looking for in repentance in our lives is the whole way your life has been going, it's time to stop and go in the opposite direction. And God invites you to do that today. You could say something right, you could say it like this. You could say something similar to what I'm sharing. You could say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I dedicate myself, my life to following you from this day forward. Just a simple, committed prayer that God uses in a dynamic way because he loves you and he cares for you. And so, Father, we pray as we end our time here in this service that you would pour out your spirit on these precious men and women and boys and girls to hear the kids and think so many more children being raised in the ways of the Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless the parents and grandparents. Bless these precious little kiddos that they might grow up to love you and serve you all the days of their lives. And here we are as grown children. We too want to live for you and bless you all the days of our life. So thank you for allowing us to gather and God, thank you for creating the church that we could come together and be encouraged and be strengthened as we head out to celebrate the, the momentous day and the momentous occasion of your birth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.